You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Hallelujah. He's a wonderful, wonderful God. Deserving of all of our praise. Hallelujah. Our God, your God, my God, the only God, the creator God, you know, made you and I in his likeness. Praise the Lord. Genesis 1.26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And you and I know that image and likeness of God that we bear is beyond that we have two eyes. God doesn't have two eyes. Praise the Lord. The visions of God that we've been told is eyes. He's omniscient. Praise the Lord. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. So he sees, but he doesn't have two eyes. That is how much bigger in that sense is. But in particular areas, God has made you and I like him. And what is that area? One of them is the power or the right to choose. When God made man of all of God's creation, it was only man that God said to in Genesis 2.16. It says, of every fruit of the tree of the garden, you may freely eat. Now, since God is omnipotent, why will he be saying to man, you may? Why is he leaving that option open to man? Have you thought about that? It's because he gave the man the same right he has to do as he what? Chooses. Praise God. So he says, man, I am God. I do what I choose to do. You, I'm creating you. You know, in Psalm, he said to us, no, you know that you are God. I'm creating you in my likeness. I want you to be free also to do as you choose. And that right or that power or that liberty that was given to man, you and I know is the source of all the problems we have now. Because our first parents, Adam and Eve, made a wrong choice. When in Genesis 3, you know the story, how Satan came and, you know, spoke to them and convinced them to do the very thing that God said they ought not to do. Ever since then, man has had issues. But thank God, praise the Lord, in his mercy and in his love and in his wisdom, he had made a provision for us to come back to him, praise the Lord. Now, I want us to look at a story in First Kings 22. And we're going to see this whole thing play out. Why are we looking at this? We live in a time where the Bible says, the Bible makes us understand 2 Timothy 3. You can just give us verse 1 there. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. The Bible makes us understand that in the last days, what is going to happen? Perilous times will come. Perilous times will come. What are perilous times? Perilous times are dangerous times. There will be 
times that are filled with, you know, things that want to pull you down, things that want to destroy you, things that would hit you from all angles. And these things are written so that when these times come, we will navigate through them successfully and victoriously. Praise the Lord. So that we can indeed be what we are called overcomers. So we are, I believe you know, living in perilous times. Let's read that passage down a bit. Verse 2 says, what is going to happen in these perilous times? Verse 2 says, men will become what? Lovers of themselves. Next one says, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Three says, unloving, unforgiving. Do you know that everything that is read from that verse one down is a function of who all of a sudden man begins to love? Praise the Lord. He goes down and he says, having a form of godliness, but denying its what? Power. So you have God, there's the knowledge of God, there's the awareness of God, but the power of God, the purpose of God, the agenda of God is not being seen. And if we go back to verse 5, just go up a bit, or 4, it says, traitors, headstrong, hearty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The foundation I'm trying to lay here is this. When God gave man, you know, the choice, or rather the right to choose at the beginning, he undergathered that choice with a safety valve. What is that safety valve? God's commandment that says, this is the first and the greatest commandment was not a commandment that came after the fall. It was a commandment that God created man with. And the Bible says, Thou shalt do what? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength, with all thy might. Now, if man, if Adam and Eve had gone ahead loving God, praise the Lord, are you with me? Loving God with all their heart, Loving God with all their strength. Loving God with all their might. In fact, let's even leave all those. Just genuinely loving God. What do you think will happen when Satan comes and tries to tell them that God is hiding something from them? Are they going to align with Satan to do what God said they shouldn't do? That's why in the book of Revelation, because the Bible is one story, one word. When Jesus was speaking to the church, what did he say to one of the church? He said, I have this against you. You're doing everything seemingly right. But what do I have against you? He says, you have lost what? Your first love. Now, when we come to this story, we see in 1 Kings 22, we see the graphics of what we are talking about. And I read quickly. It's a long one. Genesis 22, I read from verse 1 to 28 a lot of time. I read fast. Now, three years passed without war between Syria and Israel. Then it came to pass in the third years that Joseph, the king of Judah, went down to visit the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead is ours? But we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. So he said to Joseph, Will you go with me to fight at Ramoth Gilead? Joseph said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, 
My people as your people, my horses as your horses. Also, Joseph said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to fight, or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. And Joseph said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here? that we may inquire of him. So the king of Israel said to Joseph, There is still one man, Micaiah the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him. Let me hear you say I hate him. I hate him. Why? Because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Joseph said, uh, uh, No, let the king not say such things. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Bring Micaiah the son of Imlah quickly. The king of Israel and Joseph, the king of Judah, having put on their robes, sat each on his throne at the threshing floor, at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. Now Zedekiah, the son of Chena, had made horns of iron for himself. And he said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall go the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king, saying, Please let your word be what? Like one of them. He said, Let there be unity. Let there be unity. And speak what? encouragement, follow it, encouragement. And Micah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me that I will speak. Then he came to the king and the king said to him, Micah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall we refrain? And he answered him, go and prosper for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. So he spoke in unity. But the king said, so the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear? That you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord. Now, 400 men told him this. He had no problem. This man comes, tells him the same thing. He said, how many times, look at his word. Have I made this swear that you tell me what? Nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord. Then my canon went and said. Then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains. As sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Joseph, Did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? I'm sure you're wondering, what does this man really want? Okay. <laughs> then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord, this is behind the scenes, sitting on his throne. And all the hosts of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, In what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, You shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours. 
And the Lord has declared disaster against you. Now Zedekiah, the son of Chinana, went near and struck Michael on the cheek and said, Which way did the Spirit from the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micah said, Indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide. So the king of Israel said, Take Micah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with the bread of affliction and water of affliction until I come in peace. But Micah said, if you ever return in peace, the Lord has not what? Spoken by me. And he said, take heed, all you people. Praise the Lord. We are living in very perilous times. And the story we have before us captures a lot, not of the unbelievers now. That's why we're taking this passage today. Not of the unbelievers. You can see in this king, that there is a struggle inside of him. He has knowledge, but he doesn't want what he knows. He wants some other things. And we as believers, as we look at this, we want to be safe. How many like safety? I've noted if you fly, okay, if you fly, anytime you're on board a plane, you can see that every measure, every attention is given to safety. Praise the Lord. It's given to safety. Now, whether you be in first class or the last class, there is emphasis on safety, equally for every person. Comfort may differ. The person in first class may have more comfort, but it does not allow him to smoke. It does not allow him to be without seatbelt when there is turbulence. Safety first. Why? Because the story of a flight that takes up no matter the movies and the meals you enjoy on board, the story is as successful as when you land. If there is no landing, it doesn't matter what happened in the flight. Praise the Lord. Now, the Christian today must know we dwell in very perilous times. And we must look for safety first. And because, like we learned on Wednesday, we have a good shepherd we can be sure that as long as we are following him the way he said to follow him, the things that our hearts imagine, thank God the Bible says we serve a God who is able to do for us what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above what? All that we can ask or imagine. That's not normal. We are taught, for those of us that are still going to do job interviews, we are taught when you go for job interviews and they ask you how much do you want to be paid, don't be quick to say an amount because you might say an amount that is less than what they want to pay you. Wait for them to make the offer first. Now, why do they say so? Because most employers, once you say an amount that is lower than what they want to pay you, they're happy, they agree with you. But you see, our God says, if you say whatever you say, I will exceed it. I will go beyond it. I will do for you. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? These are the attitudes we must have, the things we must know about our God because it will help our enjoyment of the work we work with him. So we serve a God who has a plan for us, who has a future for us, who wants to lift us higher than we can imagine. 
when the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Some translations say, under the mighty power of God. It's not humble yourself so that he will, you know, put you down. It is humble yourself so that what? He might exalt you. So the reason God is saying come close. The reason God is saying sit still. The reason God is saying be calm. The reason God is saying trust me. Is that he might do what? Lift you in due season. Somebody say amen to that. So we we see in this story a king. This is King Ahab. Very, you know, most of us know him. And he invited Jehoshaphat to his, you know, kingdom. And when Joseph had came, you know, this was a trick because in Second Chronicles 18, you see that he threw a lavish party for him. And the Bible says, let's look at it, Second Chronicles 18, 1 to 3. Okay, Joseph had riches and honor in abundance, and by marriage he allied himself with Ahab, verse 2 and 3. After some years, he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him. And the people who were with him. And persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth Gilead. Just hold it here. Now, what I just want to pick up here quickly is this. If you read this story, you will see the reluctance of Jehoshaphat to go to this battle. But you see, he had eaten his oxen. He had enjoyed his hospitality. I don't know who is here or who is listening. Be careful whose hospitality you enjoy. Because it might restrain your mouth. Praise the Lord. Jehoshaphat could not say no. Look at verse 3 now. Go to verse 3. Verse 3, Ahab made the request. He said, will you go with me against remote Gilead? What else can he say? They have thrown party for him. They have received him warmly. Young ladies, the gifts men give to you. You must be discerning. There are some gifts that you must say no to. Praise the Lord. If, 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 it's, if it doesn't make sense, please refuse it. Because you might entrap yourself in a place where you can't say what you know is right. Praise the Lord. So we continue. Joseph visited him and he said, will you go with me? And he said, I'm going to go with you. But this was his condition, verse 5. And he was looking for a way out. Joseph said in verse 5 of 1 Kings 22. He says, please inquire... For the word of the Lord when? Today. What's the Lord saying? And the Bible said, this king of Israel, Ahab, gathered 400, about 400 of, of his prophets, and said to them, shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to fight? Or shall I refrain? What did all the prophets say? They say, go up. For the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. Now, these prophets, 400 of them, they knew what the king wanted. What did the king want? He wanted to go. He wanted to recover. And his strategy was to enter into an alliance with the king of Judah. So he had gotten Joseph out with him. Praise God. He didn't go on his own. He now felt a bit secure. So these prophets, 400 prophets, were prophesying from reason. They were prophesying from analysis. And they, they thought about it. I mean... This is Ramoth Gilead that was under subjection to Egypt before now. To, to Israel, sorry. Now Israel is going to go against them with two kings, powerful kings. It's, it's a win-win. So they said to him, go, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. But something else said to Joseph again. Is there not still, verse 7, 
a prophet of the Lord here, that we may inquire of him. If 400 people have said something, why are you looking for 401? You know why? Because inside of everybody is the sensitivity to what is true. Inside of everybody. Every man, and that's where we're going to connect to where we started from. Inside of everyone is a sensitivity to what is, you know what is true. You know what is right. But you see, also man has what, you know, the Bible tells us in Song of Solomon. It says love is as strong as death. When a man's love is for something, even death will not keep him from going for it. And this man had made up his mind the way he would go. So all they were saying, he wasn't hearing. Anyway, let's continue with the story so we'll follow. Verse 8 says, So the king of Israel said, There is still one man, Micah, the son of Imla. Let's inquire of him. He said, Meanwhile, let me just tell you, I hate this man. Why? Because he does not prophesy good concerning me. How many Christians hate some pastors, some preachers, even hate the word, the simple word of God, because he doesn't prophesy good to them? You hear the truth, you look into the word of God, the word of God jumps to you like we say, and you know this, but you don't like it, you flip it, and you go to the parts of the scriptures you've highlighted. In fact, when some people say read the Bible, they read the places they want to read. They read the places they've highlighted. That's why devotionals are very good, praise the Lord. Devotionals are good, I mean, at a stage in your life. But at a stage in your life, you must allow yourself to be led of the Spirit and let devotionals be like the icing on the cake. Because sometimes God will need to deal with your heart, deal with issues of your heart. This man said, he's a prophet, but I hate him. How can he be a prophet and you hate him? He said, this is the reason. He does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. Let's go on. We'll come back then. So they sent for this man. Verse 10. Look, I want you to see what is happening in verse 10. Verse 10 says, Then the king of Israel and Joseph, the king of Judah, having put on their robes, sat each on his throne at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. Do you know how you can read that? And all the prophets entertained them. I want you to be very careful when your pastor entertains you, when your preacher entertains you, when the thing that you want to follow God, the path that you want to follow God through, it's entertainment to you. You see, I look at some, you know, preachers, and when I want a word from God, I don't bother with them, because I know they can't speak, but you see, at the same when I feel the way I would feel if I want to watch um, movie magic or some comedy, I would listen to them because, you know, what they say would just be okay. You know, it wouldn't hurt me. But when you want truth, this is not what you want. You know, see, what is wrong with this picture? This picture says these men put on their royal robes and they sat on their throne. So they had gotten to a place where they were exalted. And then the prophets were running around before them. If somebody cannot look at you and see you purely as God's creation and see you in the way that God sees you, then they can't also tell you what God is telling you. Is somebody hearing me? 
The moment a man, a member of a church or somebody becomes so important to the you know, pastor or whoever that he respects his presence, then that man cannot also receive truth from him. These kings had gotten exalted and the prophets were below. So they could only say what the kings wanted to hear. And if you look at the next verse, verse 11, verse 11 takes it further. It says Zedekiah, the son of Chenana, made horns of iron. Look at the drama he added to it. All this drama was falsehood. Can you believe that? And say this is how the Lord will guard the Syrians until they are destroyed. Look at the drama added to what is false. But in all of this, in all of this, God was still pointing something to you and I. When Micaiah came, they said to him, okay, let's hear from you. The messenger in verse 13 said to him, I want to advise you. This is popular opinion. Praise the Lord. This is popular opinion. This is what is trending. And the rest of the prophets have what? Prophesied with one accord. So what are they prophesying? They're prophesying encouragement. You know, at the beginning of this COVID-19 pandemic, what was in the air was what? Encouragement. Now, encouragement is good, but don't encourage me with a lie. Don't encourage me with what is not true. Encourage me with truth. You don't want to go to the hospital and the doctor encourages you with what is not true. You don't want to do that. You want the truth. So they said to this man, everybody speaking encouragement. What is their interpretation of encouragement? The direction I want to go, strengthen my hands in it. What I want to do, strengthen my heart in it. But if you said so, then you will be denying, or rather you will be assuming a position, which means that you know the end from the beginning. Okay, let's move on. So he says, speak encouragement. And Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I'm going to speak. So he said to the king, go up, the Lord will deliver it into your hands. I want, I don't know if you ponder, what made this king say after he had that so-called encouragement in verse 16? How many times have I made you to swear? That you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord. What made him say that? He knew that this man, you know, was not telling him the truth. He knew. He knew. Now, and I want to pause there and make a, a statement. Proximity or hearing the truth is not enough. The truth, as our Lord Jesus Christ said, John 14, 16, says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm what? I'm the life. The Pharisees in, in, interviewed Jesus, interrogated Jesus. In fact, from when he was 12 years, you remember at the temple, he interacted with them, teaching them, asking questions. If these men, if presence of truth, I'm talking to churchgoers in this sermon, like from what we learned on Wednesday. If, if presence of truth meant deliverance and salvation and liberty, the Pharisees would have been the most saved group. Because this man interrogated and interacted with Jesus more than any other group. Some of the fishermen, the Peter and the rest of them, they had their first encounters with him much later. These men sat down and analyzed. That's why uh, Nicodemus will come and say to him, we know, or rather I know what, 
that a teacher was sent from God. They had interrogated him. But the presence of truth, the hearing of truth, what it does to you is that it gives you a form of safety. That's why Lord Jesus told us the parable of the two men. One hearing the word and what? Obeying it. And then the, the other one, what? Hearing and not obeying. The two of them built houses. We've learned that here. Anytime you hear truth, it gives you some sense of security. It gives you some sense of peace. But now, it's not the hearing that saves you. It is the love of the truth. It is the submission to the truth. It is the surrender to the truth. Praise the Lord. It is the obedience to the truth. Truth you don't obey. God forbid somebody's in an environment, the fire alarm goes up. It means the building is on fire. And the escape route says, everybody head towards the emergency exit. Now you know there is fire. The alarm has come on. You decide that you want to maybe use a lift. You get into the lift and you're trapped in it because they have shut out the power in the building. What has happened? You knew the truth, isn't it? But did the truth save you? The truth didn't save you. Why? Because the process of following what the truth brought, you did not like it. You don't like the stairs. You prefer the lift. So you went to the lift, but trapped in there, God forbid, you know, the fire did all of that. So this man knew something. He knew that there was truth. So the Bible tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, it talks about also the last time, the last days. It says the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders. 10 now. It says, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Who are those who perish? Is it those who did not know the truth? Is it those who did not hear the truth? Is it not those who did not see the truth? No. It says, because they did not what? Receive the love of the truth. So the presence of truth is not enough. There must be a love. And that love is a love that propels you into surrender. I'm married. Sometimes I will wear something and I'll say to my wife, how does it look? And she will tell me it doesn't look good. You know, you know, you know, mommy chick can be very pleased. She'll say maybe I look like an matter trader. Now, sometimes, praise God, sometimes I might love that attire more than I love the truth. And then I will insist and wear it out. Now, what has happened is she has said what it is. And I know she's telling me the truth because she loves me. But maybe I'm fascinated with the way I imagine that attire looks. I go with it. But you know what happens? Throughout the day, you think I'll be feeling very comfortable or uncomfortable. I'll be uncomfortable because at this point, I know that what I'm doing is against the truth I know. Praise the Lord. Now, for the Christian, every time you open the word of God, every time you come to the truth comes to you. But that truth that comes to you, you can choose to say no to the truth. And that is what the Bible says here. It says, because they will now be captured with all unrighteous deception. Why? Because they did not receive the love of the truth. Can we see 11, please? 11, it says, and for this reason, what will happen? 
God will send them one. Strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Now, what am I trying to say? It should actually be taken for granted that every born-again Christian in this country or in this church or in any environment is living life the way God said it should be, isn't it? What are you born again for if you're not living in total obedience? If we want unbelievers, we should go to the, you know, cults and to those places, isn't that? But don't we find people who go to church who do things that those people do? Is it that the microphone is not loud enough? Is it that they don't hear the truth? No, it's not. It's because they don't love the truth. So they get it as fact. They get it as information. And it hovers around them, but it does not benefit them. That will not be a portion in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. So this Ahab says, tell me the truth. (laughs) Praise God. And then they tell him the truth. When they finish telling the truth, you know what he said? He turned to Jehoshaphat, verse 18. We're back now. He turned to Jehoshaphat in verse 18 and said, Did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Now the question is this. Is truth good or evil? Is truth good or evil? Truth is good, right? But it depends on what good is to you. A man, a man, you know, such men are not here. A man is in an adulterous relationship. He's married. He has a wife. And he's following a young girl. Now, they tell him, cease from this life of adultery. And he will tell you, you know, with all the frankness in his face, you know, with his, you know, some gray hair or whatever, his aged face. He said, you don't understand. I don't have love for my wife again. I love this girl. I want to divorce. In fact, whatever she wants, let her do. I am in love. Now, 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 somebody says that, and you tell the person, what should you tell the person as an advisor? What does the Bible say, call about, say about people who engage in adultery? He says, can you take fire and put in your bosom? Isn't that what he says? Doesn't the Bible say that every sin a man commits is what? Is outside of the body. But the man who commits sexual immorality, what? He says, sins against his body. Isn't that truth? Doesn't the man hear it? Does he move him? You know why he doesn't move him? He does not love the truth. He has loved iniquity. You see, what I'm trying to say to us today is this. What you love is too powerful. Don't joke with it. For God to say, this is the first and the greatest commandment. Love the Lord thy God. God is saying, your safety is that you love me more than all else. Are you with me? The safety of the Christian is the love he or she has for God. Let nobody deceive you. Your intellectual capability, your explanation of the things will never make the truth to become false. The only thing is that your love for other things can make the truth become bad to you. But it's not bad. This man's obsession with Ramoth Gilead made the truth of him not going into that war to become evil to him. And because he had made that choice to go in that direction, he had a majority that supported him. How many of us there make decisions and say, if you went right, I won't be getting all this support? You know we say that. You can see the way the door is opening. You can see the way things are falling in place. We see here that it was one prophet that was against. 400 were four. And they had drama. They had the majority. They had all kinds of things to support it. What am I trying to say, child of God? In these days that we are in, God has a plan for you. 
Praise the Lord. But you know, unfortunately, the enemy also what? Has a desire for you. And what are they looking for? You and I know, we've said it here. The devil is not on the opposite side of God in that sense, no. The devil is God's creation. God is the almighty creator. All power belongs to God. Praise the Lord. However, inside of you and I, God has given us the right and the liberty to choose. And what we are going to choose in economics to say all things being equal. For most human beings, nothing is ever equal. We are never rational. You know that. We are never rational. Somebody might spend 5000 on a meal. Another person having the same 5000 might spend 500 naira on a meal. Another person who doesn't even have the money will borrow and spend 5000 Have you seen people like that? Now, it's not rational. Human beings are not rational. We are propelled by our love. Now, what happens is this. The enemy paints pictures to catch our love, to catch our attention. That's what we were looking at on Wednesday when we say, let God take my desire. The born-again Christian is somebody who inside of his heart, God has captured his desire. The born-again Christian is somebody who inside of his heart, God satisfies him. Are you with me? God satisfies him. Now, somebody might be thinking, how does that happen? That's what prayer is for. The psalmist said, I've longed for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. You can pray about it. Now, 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 until that happens and God becomes all that satisfies you, the enemy can do things before you where you would surprise yourself with the choices you make. But you won't do that. Because you're falling in love with Jesus afresh. In, in the name of Jesus. You're falling. So this story continues. This man said, did I not tell you he would not prophesy good? He'll prophesy evil. And the Bible went on. And the prophet told him this is actually what happened behind the scene. And interestingly, note what happens there. When he told the story of what happened behind the scene. Verse 21 says, the spirit came forward. Stood before the Lord and said, I'll persuade him. 22 says, then the Lord said to him, what way? He says, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. I want to raise a point here. 1 Corinthians 2.12. You know, another challenge we have as spiritual people is that anything spiritual, anything, you know, that has some spiritual attachments and, you know, things around it, we tend to accept it. But you see, this scripture says, we have received... Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit one who is from God. It's not everything spiritual that is true. Is somebody getting me? It's not everything that is spiritual that is of God or from God. The spirit that is from God is holy. The spirit that from God is the spirit of truth. The spirit that is from God is the spirit of love. Is the spirit of purity. Listen to me. I've told you the story. I don't have time to tell stories in these one-hour meetings. But as a young Christian, somebody was giving me such accurate information. The only way this woman could be getting such accurate information, she was what they would call a, a CIB or a Wali, was from the spirit. And this woman was telling me clearly that somebody was about to give me a large sum of money. I'd resigned from the bank. So I had a very rich customer who promised me a large sum of money, you know, to help my business, what I wanted to do. Now, this woman would tell me details of, you know, my life, my day, my yesterday, which were correct. And then would tell me this money 
I'm going to get it at so so time. But when I leave that place, the Spirit of God will tell me, Don't go for that money. Who will you believe? Praise the Lord. Who will you believe? Now, the Spirit of God has not borne witness to me the color of my blinds. He hasn't told me the breakfast I ate. So, on that side, he's not even as real, unquote, as this woman. This woman tells me, I brought her a perfume. She said, you brought me a gift. How did she know? From the Spirit. Praise the Lord. And then she now tells me what is against truth. What is against, but somehow... Inside of me was more love for God than for the money. I'm going somewhere here. Inside of me, some people have said, they prophesied to me that my wife is not my wife. My husband is not my husband. My neighbor is not my neighbor. The ox- <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? They prophet- you see, some people are living in sin and iniquity. And they're going for prayers. And they're praying prayers for them. And they're supporting them. They're encouraging them. It's not every spirit that is from God. It's not every spirit. It's not everything that works that is blessed by God. It's working doesn't mean God is behind it. Don't forget that the devil is the prince of this age. I'm going through. Listen, many years ago, I don't know what they are doing now. But many years ago, there were churches that were established with the popularity that when they pray for drug pushers, they don't get caught. Do you know that? Is it not spirit that will make NDLA not to see them? Does it make it truth? And people continue that and they claim that we are born again. Recently, there was, you know, um, American Idols, the young lady that won. Every time she'll be mentioning Jesus, Jesus. Myself and my wife, we're bothering ourselves. You know, praying that God will just make her win. What a powerful test. Only for her to win and we find out that she's lesbian. Do you understand? You see, it's not everywhere they're calling, they're calling. What you check is what is the love of his heart? What is the love of her heart? You know why? Satan, I don't want to, you know, attribute any virtue to him. But he has time. He's willing to invest. Just like when you buy your Christmas goat. Praise God. You're not into animal husbandry. But when you buy your Christmas goat, I remember those days as children. They will send us to go and cut grass. How many of us were sent? You don't love goat. You love the meat you will eat on Christmas, isn't it? So the goat will just be there, Jabota goat, for seven days. You're feeding the goat because Satan will feed you with anything. Somebody will say, how can something... That is so wrong, or that feels so good, be bad. When you're in his arms, oh, you forget yourself. When you're chatting that thing, you forget yourself. The devil is a lie, you're delivered today. In the name of Jesus. Because if you don't, listen, the safety is that inside of you, what saved me was, I loved God and I wanted to know him. I didn't want to prosper, I wanted to know God. You don't want to marry. You want to know God. God is your husband. When you marry, remember the Bible says, He that loves father or mother or wife or husband more than me is not worthy of me. Isn't that what Jesus said? So how can the choice of who to marry make you to turn from? Every other person is an addition. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? Now, this was what happened. So this king said, You know what we're going to do? He said this prophet, verse 27. When I saw that, I said, oh Lord, comfort all the genuine prophets. He said, verse 27. He says, and say, thus says the king, put this fellow in prison. The prophet had become a fellow. Don't be surprised when people disregard you. 
Because you're standing by truth. Some of us in our families now, we are fellows. When they are planning things in the family, they don't even remember your name. Because you're a fellow. You never prophesy good. You don't bring money. Nothing of value comes from you. If they bring you now, you start quoting scripture. Say the Lord won't be pleased with this. He said, put this fellow in prison and feed him with what? Bread of affliction and water of affliction until I come in peace. That's where they make the mistake. The Bible says, God will not allow you to be what? Tempted beyond what you can bear. But with every temptation, what does he do? He makes a provision of escape. What am I exhorting us today? I beg you and, you know, with all the heart that I have and the love that I have for you. We are in perilous times. And your safety is your genuine love, not the environment. I've been a pastor now for at least two decades now. And I've seen wonders. I've heard of people that you would never believe. And you say, how can they be in church hearing this thing and believing this type of lifestyle? They never loved the truth. They were acquainted with the truth. They liked the environment. They put on the garb of it. But the garb of it can't save you. The psalmist said, I've desired truth in the inward part. Membership cannot take you to... We are talking about eternal life here, brothers and sisters. We are talking about things of eternity here. And for these things of eternity, you must make up your mind. If you find yourself seeing the truth. Recently, I was listening to a man of God. You know, and he was teaching. And he was teaching some deep things. I started praying. He said, Lord, help me. The alternative is to resist what he's teaching. Let me tell you a bit of what. He was teaching about procrastination. He said, procrastination is the almost equivalent to rebellion. I said, he said, when the Lord says to do something, don't, pl- don't say I will do it later. He said, are you God? When your boss says, write this report for me and submit it by 12 noon. Do you tell your boss I'll do it next week? It was a hard say. He was teaching. He said, when God said to Abraham, take now your only son whom you love, and God sacrificed. He spoke to him in the night. The Bible said, early morning, Abraham took her. Some of us, the thing God has been telling us to do for seven years, we've not done no. So you hear such a teaching, you can get very angry and say, who does this fellow think? He's no longer a pastor. This fellow, who does he think he is? Can't, wouldn't I process what God said I should do? Praise the Lord. You know, but you yourself know that when you love something, you see an offer in the market. You see, this is a good deal. This uh, shoe is a good deal. This bag is a good deal. This car is a good deal. You don't process. You do it immediately. You know why? Your love is for that thing. And God said, I am a jealous God. If you go back, the word of God is same, basically the same. God says, I'm in love with you. And I'm watching how you're also loving me back. So when he sees you, you know, loving other things, getting excited about others, more than you are about him. He doesn't make him happy. That's why he was crazy about men like David. David got into the battlefront to bring bread. He did not go back to prepare to fight Goliath. He didn't go back. He got into the battlefront and said, how? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living? He said, hold this bread for me. Let me go and fight him. And God said, that person loves me like I love him. For the Bible says, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever will believes. No man ever prayed for salvation. Did you know that? We never prayed for Jesus to come. In fact, when Jesus was, you know, when the plot for Jesus to come was being made in heaven. We were rebellious. We were, insult, we were saying, go away from us. The Bible says, for God commends his love or demonstrates his love. That while we are yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. So God looks at you and is searching. Is his heart yearning for me? I want you to bow your heads. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Lord, I give you my heart. That's a place of safety. I'm talking about safety today. I'm talking about a place where no man will deceive you. Where nothing can shake you. Nothing can move you. Give me the love for you. Give me love for truth. Take me beyond number. Take me beyond excitement. Take me beyond entertainment. You are God. Lord, let me find pleasure in you. Tell him, Lord, I want to enjoy you. I want to enjoy your word. I want to be embraced by your word. I want to be able to say thank you. Just for who you are. Father, we thank you. Lord, I 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 thank you. I want to love you. I want to love you. I want my heart to be totally sold to you. For Lord, you have loved me. You have loved me with a love that is everlasting. You have loved me with a love that is unequaled. I can't measure it. You love me. Lord, I want to love you. So that it will be a sweet journey. I bless your name. Father, we thank you. Father, I bless you and I thank you for your children. You said to me, nothing lifts a man and enables him to fulfill destiny like love for you. Let these ones be lifted. Let your marvelous plans and purposes for them be manifested as they tune their hearts to love you. Blessed be your name, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.